Well, my name is Ron Cool, and I am one of the pastors here at Hillside, and it's a joy to welcome all of you here, and it's good to be back. I, somebody had asked me, I was in Battle Creek last week where my mom and dad, that's, I was at their church, and mom said I did okay. So thank you for praying for me. It's always, you know, you scare me much less than mom. So it's, uh, it's always good to be back here, and I love her, but no, she, was very, she loves it, and her little Ronnie can't do anything wrong. So... <laughs> I, it could always be fun to have somebody kind of get mad at me in front of her because, boy, they'd just die. Uh, you know, that's, but that's the way it is with a mom, right? And with a dad, too. We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we started a series here at Hillside, and we're going to be talking about prayer. And, and our takeoff point for this series is really a, a request, almost a command that comes from the disciples of Jesus after Jesus had been in a time of prayer. He was praying, and the disciples came to him after that, and they said, teach us to pray. They saw something in the prayer life of Jesus that was powerful. They saw something in the prayer life of Jesus that was unique, that they hadn't seen in, in other people's prayers, prayer lives. And so they, they said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And so that's what we're saying to Jesus this summer is, Lord, as a body, as, a, as individuals, as a family, teach us to pray. Teach us to grow deeper in that relationship with the Father. In the last two weeks, we've been talking about kind of how to do that and some of the things that Jesus said about God's attitude toward prayer and our attitude toward prayer and so on. And and this morning, we're going to kind of turn the page and, and begin to look at specifically what Jesus said about the words that we use when we pray. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. And we're going we're gonna to start to work our way through that phrase by phrase. But before we get into that, I was thinking about it, and I thought, for me, one of the challenges of praying, and I think this is true for many of us, but one of the challenges of praying is this, is that we are so often in a hurry. We have places to go, people to see, things to do, and it just, we, we want to get things done in a hurry. It drives us nuts. For example, if a graphic is going too slowly across the screen, we want it to move. Get over there. There you go, all right? You see, we want that to happen. We, right, we hate to wait. We hate to wait. But the fact of the matter is, and, and I think it's okay sometimes to do quick prayers. I don't want to make rules like that. It's okay to do quick prayers. But for the most part, prayer takes time. I, I think for most of us, what, what we kind of treat our prayer life like, and I'm always tempted to do this, but, but we're kind of tempted to treat our prayer life like it's a, a pit stop in the Indianapolis 500, right? I'm going 200 miles an hour, and I want to keep going, but I know I need to pray. I know I need to refuel, so I want to pull in, and then just, our oh, Father, I'm going to be on the kingdom come to will be done on earth, is it? I'm going to give us the day, forgive us our sins, as we for those who can at least not to the day of the kingdom, the power of glory forever, amen, boom, and I'm out on the try, right? I mean, I want to get this done as fast as possible. I want to get this done because it's just a fill-up. It's not, I want to be on the course. I want to be on the track. I want to be doing something. And prayer takes time. Prayer calls me to slow down. And as we think about this, what what I really want you to think about doing that is with this, every line of this prayer. Uh, You know, I I think sometimes, how do people pray for an hour? I, I think if we learn to chew on the words... I think if we learn to slow down, I think if we learn to linger over the words, that then we can understand how an hour becomes a really easy thing to do if we start to really come into God's presence. I, I think that's nowhere more true than in those first words, the words we're going to look at today. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. As, as we pray these words, what I want to suggest is that we need to just go so slowly we need to stop and, and just kind of let these words sink in. We need to let these words, because it is absolutely essential that we, that we just get this, that we say these words. In fact, a, a guy by the name of Pastor, a, a German theologian, Helmut Thielicke is his name, a brilliant guy. Uh, he said this. He said, the main thing in prayer is, is really not that we present particular petitions. 
You know, so often we say, well, that's, I got to ask God for this. I got to ask God. We got to ask God for safety on our travels. We got to ask God for blessing on our grandkids. We got to ask for this and we got to present. He said, that's not the main thing in prayer. He says, the main thing in prayer is not that we present particular petitions, but that we enter into communion, into a personal relationship with the Father. The main thing is that we just slow down and climb on our Father's lap. The main thing is that we come into God's presence. He he goes on to say, if I do nothing, if I do nothing else but say from the bottom of my heart, our Father in heaven, the main thing has already happened. And, and, And my goal for this morning is to get you to understand those words. And to think about those words enough that in a sense you, you just accept what Telekis said. I think is exactly right. That if we can actually say those words, our Father in heaven, if we can pray those words from the bottom of our heart, if we can pray those words with all of our hearts, then the rest of it just kind of we can say, God, that's who you are. That's who I am. Whatever you want to do is fine. <laughs> God, whatever you want to do is fine. Just your will be done. And, and, and just recognizing the power of, of coming into God's presence. So we're going to think about our Father in heaven, and, and there are three things that we need to just kind of linger over, three words here that we need to kind of focus on, three ideas. The first one is, is the word Father, the word Father. And this is actually in the Greek. It's the first word that's there. In the Greek, it's pater humon, Father to us, Father of ours. Father is that first word. Father is the one. Jesus is when you pray, the first thing you say is Father. And I want to kind of unpack that. This is going to be the the biggest part of the sermon, okay? The first one is going to take the longest. The second two are going to be fairly short. But but I want to unpack this, and I want to use some things that Tim Keller did that I think are really helpful with this, and and, and you'll kind of get an idea. So it'll take us a little time to come back to to kind of why saying those words, our Father, makes such a difference. But, But what Keller starts with, and I think he's exactly right is that the way we approach someone is based on our relationship with that person right we approach people differently based on our relationship and the easiest way I think for me to show that is to just think about a complete stranger right let's say you're out on the street you're walking down the street and there's a complete stranger you don't go up to him say hey dude how you doing man right I mean you just don't do that you don't know that person there's no relationship you don't approach in that way now now you can talk to the person right I mean you can say uh do you know what time it is you can say, hey, do you know where the Burger King is? Or do you know where this is or that? You can ask. For, there are some questions you can ask of somebody you don't know. But you don't ask them, does this dress make me look fat? Right? I mean, you just wouldn't do that to somebody. You don't say, you know, does this tie match this shirt? You don't ask that. But if we even start to get a little hint of a relationship, think about it. If you have a stranger who's in the clothing store, you still might not ask if the dress makes you look fat. But you, but you might say, does this match? Because you have some connection. You know, you're both there shopping. You have some sort of a connection. And, and, and so the relationship we have, the connection we have with somebody, that's what determines how we approach that person. That's what determines how we come into that person's presence and, and how we work with that person, okay? Keller then goes on to say, and I think he's exactly right, there are two basic ways of relating to others, okay? And, and, and I know this is kind of, you'll, you'll be able to find exceptions, and I know you'll be able to say, it's more of a continuum, it is, but just kind of work with me on this, because this is going to kind of tell us two basic things about Christianity, but there are two basic ways of relating to other. On the one hand, there's what we might call a business relationship, right? On, on the one side, there's, there's kind of transactional relationships, business relationships, and that's the majority of our relationships, but on the other side, there's what we might call family relationships, and let me try to give you a difference, an idea of the, of the differences between the two. On the business side of things, what, what the focus is is on what I have or do, okay? I have something you want, you have something I want, and so we make a deal, right? When I go to Myers. 
Fred has something, Fred Myers has something I want. He has food, or he has tools, or he has something I want, right? And I have something he wants, cash. And, and so that's our relationship, okay? It's not a bad relationship. It's not evil relationship. It's a fine relationship, but it's simply based on that business. In my workplace, right? In your workplace, right? You've got an employer, and you've made a deal. I will work X number of hours. I will do X, and you will pay me Y. You have something your employer wants. Your employer has something you want, cash, right? And, and so you make it. It's a business relationship. It's fine. It's good. It's not evil. But it's based on what we do. It's based on what we have. In the family, it's not based on that. It's based on who I am. It's, it's a relationship. It's a, it's a connection. I'm part of the circle. I am a husband. I am a wife. I am a son. I am a daughter. I am a dad. I am a mom. And, and that's who I am. It's, it's who I am. And that relation, that changes how that relationship works, right? I, I, you know, you can see in a family, things are different. It, it's not transactional. In, in, in a business, let's go back to that side. In a business, performance leads to acceptance, right? As long as Fred's groceries are good, I'll go there. As, as long as, you know, the, the fruit is fresh, I'll go there. But if it's not, if it's not acceptable, then, then if he doesn't perform, then I'm not going to accept it and I'm going to go someplace else. And I'm not going to get angry about it. And I'm not going to feel bad about it because it's that kind of a relationship. We have a business relationship. It, 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 it's, again, with work. As long as you perform, you are accepted. You stop performing, you get unaccepted, which is another way of saying fired, right? I mean, that's just the way it works. Performance leads to acceptance. In a family, it's the opposite. Acceptance leads to performance, I don't perform because I, I want to make sure that dad gives me dinner. Dad's going dad's gonna to feed me. Mom's going to feed me. They're going to take care of me. They're going to put a roof over my head. They're gonna, and because they're doing that, now I want to perform. Now, some of you parents are going, my kids don't get this. We live in a broken world, okay? We live in a broken world, so it doesn't always work. Though. But you see the difference, and you can feel the difference, right? I mean, in, in, in some of those relationships are business relationships. Others are over here on that, that family side. Acceptance leads to performance. On the business side, it's conditional. On the family side, it's unconditional. And, and, and so there are these, you, we all have, right, those two different kinds of relationships. Now, just to kind of help you see the difference between the two, think about when the lines get blurred. Let's imagine that you hire, you own a company, and you hire your, well, your brother-in-law, <laughs> Now you have a problem, right? Because what do you do when the brother-in-law is not performing? Every other employee you fire. But he's not just business. He's family. And you don't get to kick him out these easily. You don't get to fire him. Or you're a landlord and you have somebody who's paying the rent. That's why a lot of people will never be a landlord for somebody who's related to them. Because it blurs the lines. It makes it more difficult. It's, I need to be either the boss or I need to be the dad. But I can't be both. It's one of the reasons why churches are so fascinating because am I your family member or am I your employee? Think about it, right? That makes it so difficult, the dynamic of saying, am I family or are we a business? We're a family and a business. Anyway, that's a whole other matter, but right there, you, you get the idea. There are those two different things, and, 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 and we know the difference, and we see the difference, and here's, here's the deal. Keller says those things are not just two different ways of relating to others. They're two different ways of relating to God. And, and this, the reason, now we get to some cash here, okay? Now we got to start to make a difference. Th- this, is, this is the difference between Christianity and, and, and basically all other religions. 
Because you see, in every other religion, what they teach basically, and, and I, that's overstated, but, but in almost every other religion, what, what they teach is it's all about what we do. God, it's a business. I do X and God does Y. I do this and God does that. And, and they relate to, 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 to God as, as a business, as a boss, as, as that. And I mean, in Islam, if I do X, Y, and Z, then I get to go to heaven and have A, B, and C when I'm done. And it's all about what I do, and it's about the deal, and it's about the bargain. But when we get to Christianity, what we have is a family. We have a God who says, no, I have adopted you. I have adopted you through Jesus Christ. You are now part of my family. The amazing thing about Christianity is that basically every other religious system is about what we do. And Christianity is about what Jesus Christ did. And, and, and it's all about grace. And we say, because of the life that Jesus lived, because he lived the life I should have lived, because he died the death I should have died, because he has done that, I am now adopted. I am now brought into God's family. I am now a child. I am now a son and a daughter of the king. I am a prince or a princess. And I am part of God's family. That's the center of Christianity. One of the major, one of the major images of Christianity in the, of, of salvation in the Bible is adoption. That is one of the best pictures that we who had no family are now family. We who had no father have now a father who loves us. And our relationship with God is no longer that relationship with a boss, but our relationship with God is a relationship with a father. Look at what John says about this in John 1. John 1, 12 and 13, it says this, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the legal right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Friends, we are adopted. That is the good news. That is what we celebrate. And like I say, this is the difference between Christianity and everything else. And, and if you still treat God as a boss, I want you to think about this this morning. If you still treat God as a boss, then you don't understand Christianity. If you still have that sense that it's, it's all God is, then you do not understand what Christianity is all about. So there are two basic ways of, of relating to God. And what that leads to is two basic ways of praying. Two basic ways of approaching God. Two basic ways of coming into God's presence. And I want you to think about your prayers and, and, and how you address God and how you come into those prayers. Because on the one hand, and we wouldn't use these words, but one way of praying is, oh boss, oh boss, right? And, 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 and you say, oh, I never said oh boss to God in prayer. No, but did you treat him that way? Jesus knows we can do that. That's why he says what, when we do that, when we call God our boss, when we treat him that way, not as a father, when we call him our boss, what that leads to is babbling. And, and Daniel touched on this in, in, the, in the words of Jesus last week. But Matthew 6 verse 7 says this, And when you pray, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pr- pagans. And these are religious people, but they're non, non-followers of God. Do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard. Why? Because of their many words right? They're dealing with God that way. They're saying, God, if I give you 20 minutes of prayer a day for six weeks, then you have to give me this. God, this is the way it works. I, I do what you want. I pray, and I go to church, and I give 10%, and if I do those things, then, then God, nothing bad has to ha- can happen to my kids, right? And, 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 and so in prayer, it just becomes, we, we focus not on the relationship aspect of prayer, but we focus on the quantity, and, 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 and I think this can be so easy for us, even as Christians, to turn God into a boss. And we just say, well, what I have to do is now, you know, pray this long, this many times. And if we get enough prayers, now don't get me wrong, I'm not against prayer, okay? 
But I get nervous when people say, well, I'm all prayed up now. Did you pray up? Because it, that, that, to me, the danger of that is that it turns God into a boss. Or, or if we say, you know, if, if we have a, a, a 1,200 people praying, then God will answer. You know, if we stop at 1159 or 1199, it's not going to be enough. And so we need 1,200. There's a number that God has in his mind that when you do this, when you pray this much or with this many people, then he's going to give you what you... That is not God. That is not a biblical view of prayer. Now, there are good things to do with prayer. I think this fall we're going to try to do a, a weekend where we're praying around the clock, and that's a good thing. But I'm going to warn us then, and I'll warn us now, if we do that because somehow we're bargaining with God, because we're babbling, because somehow if, if, if indeed we can pray as a church for 72 hours straight, then God has to give us what we want, that's not God. That's not Christianity. That's business. That's pagan religion. That's paganism. It's treating God like a boss. It's treating our relationship with him like a business. And they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. It's babbling. It's bargaining, right? Again, look at your prayers. Do you ever find yourself saying, God, if you do this, I'll do this. God, if you do this, I'll do this. You do that with your boss. You don't do that with your father. And how often don't I fall into the trap of treating God more like my boss than like my dad. And ultimately, this leads to frustration. You see, because if God doesn't answer my prayers, if this is my view of prayer, that it's coming in my approach to God is that he's the boss, then if, I don't, if God doesn't answer my prayers in the way I want, there's one of two problems. Either A, he didn't keep up his end of the bargain, or B, I didn't keep up mine. And so I'm either angry at him, or I'm anxious about my own failures. How often don't we fall into this pattern of just being frustrated with prayer? And how often isn't it because we've come to God as a boss? We've come to God as a boss, and Jesus says, don't do this. Don't come like the pagans do. Don't think that because of your many words. Don't you understand? Jesus says, you know, your Father in heaven already knows what you need. Instead, he says, come and say, our Father. Our Father. And, and I want to just stop and just, again, this is where I say what Tilaki said was exactly right, right? That if we say these words from the bottom of our heart, if you can actually just stop and, and say, God, you're my father. You're our father. You, you love me. That I'm your child. I've been adopted. I, I, this, it changes absolutely everything. It changes your view of yourself. It changes your view of, of God. It reminds you of who he really is, and it, it just changes how you pray. The, the, the best is, example I could think of with this was, was going back to when I was in high school. Um, some of you may know um, that my dad was a car dealer. He owned a car dealership on the north end of town here. And so for me, the majority of my summers when I was in high school and college were spent working at the car dealership. I might have swept up in the, in the body shop, or I, one summer I drove the parts truck, which left me with that amazing really tan left arm, really white right arm, because I just drove like this the whole time. Anyway, uh, you know a parts truck guy when you see the left arm tan and the right arm not. Anyway, so, you know, so I did that, and, but most of the time what I did is I worked in the new car prep department way in the back. They never let me near the front, but I worked way in the back, and you can see kind of a picture here. I went out this week, and I took a picture of, of, of kind of where it was from, from the place where I was working. Now, what I want you to notice is something that you can't see very clearly here, but it's right there. There are a set of stairs going up there, okay, where that arrow is. There are a set of stairs. Let's bring it in a little closer, okay? There's our stairs going up to those doors. Now, the first room over to the left, some windows there you can see, that was just kind of a storage room and so on. But the other door, the door to the right, the main door going in there, 
that door was the door to the owner's office. And people would talk about those steps. When, when I worked back there, people would talk about those steps. Nobody wanted to go up those steps. You, you didn't like to go up those steps because, well, it, what was at the top of those steps was the big boss. It was the guy who signed your paychecks. It was the guy who, who, who you know, fired and hired. And, 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 and the only reason you would go up that st- those steps was either to bargain and have to say to Mr. Cool, uh, I, I, I'd like a raise, or to have to go and say, I'm sorry, I did that. And, and so it was just fascinating to me to hear for 95% of the people in that place, going up those steps was one of the scariest things in the world because the big boss was on the other side. But of course, for me, it never was because behind that door, yeah, it was the owner, but it was dad. It was the big boss, but it was dad. And, and for me to walk up their stairs, it made all the difference in the world. I was going to see dad. I wasn't going to see just the boss. I was going to see bad dad, and that overshadowed everything else. And so I'd bounce up those stairs like nothing. And everybody would say to me, I remember people saying to me, you don't understand what it's like. You don't know what it's like to have to go up those stairs when it's not dad at the top. And I think, what about prayer? We get to go into prayer. We get to go climb into God's presence, not saying it's just the big boss, but to say it's our dad. To stay, it's our dad. And I knew this. I, I, I knew if I messed up, uh, dad might tell me I couldn't work there anymore but he wasn't going to kick me out of the family. That was my dad. That's who was there, and I knew he loved me, and I knew he wouldn't kick me out. Now, it wasn't always, I mean, there was a respect there. He was still the boss, and it wasn't always fun. You know, people get really funny. You buy a new car, and you think with five miles on it, it shouldn't have a dent in the door, and let's say the guy who's prepping the car opens it and hits something. Dad wasn't really excited that day. So, I mean, it wasn't fun for me to go up those steps that day. And Dad did let me know he didn't appreciate my failures. But he was always dad. And just think about coming to God's presence. Think about the difference of going up those steps to see the boss or to see dad. And now think about coming into God's presence to see the boss or to see our father. Our father in heaven, Jesus says. That's how you pray. You come into God's presence and you realize you have been adopted. You come into God's presence and you realize that you are who you are as God's child is, is, is enough to keep you there. It's not a conditional relationship. It's an unconditional relationship. You don't have to perform to be accepted. You are accepted and therefore you want to perform. It makes such a difference and it opens up the way to the rest of our prayers. Think about praising, right? When, when we have, most of us can be thankful for bosses, but we tend not to praise, We tend not to be exuberant. But for dads who give us gifts, we are full of praise and and thanks. Look at what John again in 1 John 3 verse 1, right? Behold, and this is the New King James Version, but behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And I wanted the New King James Version because that word behold. In the New International Version, it's see. But this is behold. Take a look. Check it out. Behold what manner of love that we should be called children of God. Is this not the most amazing thing in the world? That we are adopted, that we have God as our Father, that we have an eternity home, that we have all of these things. You say that about this. But you know, all of my years at the car dealership, I never heard any, and, and occasionally my dad would, on, on those Fridays, it was usually about 11 in the afternoon, morning on, on a Friday, that he'd come, he'd sign the checks, and in those days they had actually paper checks, really interesting things, um, and he'd come and he'd hand them out, right, which is why you never wanted anybody to work on your car afternoon on Friday, because 
Yeah, the boys had money in their pockets, and off they went for lunch. But anyway, they, 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 and, and, and Dad would hand them a check, and they'd say, thank you, Mr. Cool, and they'd, my dad would say, thank you, because the deal had been fair. They agreed with it. But never once did I hear any of them say, Behold, what manner of love Mr. Cool has bestowed on us that we should get paid for the work we did. None of them ever said, Behold, and I doubt any of you have ever received your check and said, Behold, what manner of love my boss has shown me. Behold, everybody, check it out. It's amazing. No. And if you can't praise God, if at times your heart just doesn't break open with a behold, I don't know how it comes out, but if you, can't, if, if you don't have any desire to worship or to just, just sometimes get over, then, then I wonder if you really know God as your father or if you just left him as your boss, if you just left him as, as the, 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 the creator but not the father, right? None of us have said this. We don't do those kind of things. It opens up the door when we come into the presence of the father for praising, for, for trusting, Right, if God is just my boss, if God is just the boss, I I mean, I'll trust, but as Ronald Reagan says, verify. Right, I mean, I'll trust, but I check my paycheck out. I'll trust, but I'm going to make sure that I'm not getting taken advantage of. I'll trust, but every once in a while, I'm going to see what people in similar positions in other places are getting. I'll trust, but there's always a little level. But with its dad, even when I don't understand it, I can trust him. Think of the difference, right? Right? with dad and it's not easy it's not comfortable but if I can understand that God is my father I can say God I don't like it but I trust that you know best I trust that you love me so much you gave your son Jesus to die for me so I'm going to just trust you in this situation I'm not you're not wise to give blind trust to your boss you're just not but you're not wise not to give blind trust to your father in heaven because he loves you so much. Asking. Again, you don't ask your boss. You bargain with your boss. With God, we come in. We say, God, give us this day our daily bread. You see how it changes everything? It, it changes absolutely everything. And, and, and it includes respecting. Uh, again, I'm, it was dad up the stairs, but I, I still respected him. You know, I still took his word, and I still listened to it. I mean, I could ask him. I, I, I imagine I was, other than my brothers uh, and my sister, I, pr- I imagine I was probably the only employee who ever walked up those steps and said, hey, do you think I could go golfing this afternoon? Only a son dares do that, or a daughter. Most of the time he said, are you crazy? Go back to work. And I respected him because he was dad. I respected him, right? Father. Just that word. I I think, you know, if if we can just get that word right. Now you're really glad I said the next two are shorter, right? Our. Second word. Father to us. Father of ours. Notice this. It's not just my father. Jesus doesn't say when you pray, pray like this, my father in heaven. No. The fact is in the New Testament, in the New Testament, only Jesus calls God my father. Only Jesus does. The rest of it, he's our father. Because Jesus has that unique relationship with the father. Jesus is the one and only son. We are adopted children, and we don't get to claim God just for our individual father. Now, again, don't be crazy and make rules of saying, well, you can't say my father. You can. But most of the time, we ought to be saying our father. Because we recognize that we don't pray alone. But we always are praying together. And this is really interesting after what we, we again, talked about last week with, with what Jesus said when he said, you know, he said, in, in Matthew 6, verse 6 here, it says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, right? Jesus says, go pray in secret. 
And, and so I want us to recognize Jesus calls us to pray in secret, but we never pray alone. He calls us to pray in secret so that nobody's watching, but we never pray alone. We always pray with others. Our Father, our Father. We pray with others and we pray for others. We never pray alone. And, and sometimes this is encouraging. For me, sometimes it's, it's really encouraging to recognize as I'm praying and I just stop and think, our Father, that, that I'm not the only one who's coming into the presence of the Father, but, but, but Daniel is. And, and other people on staff are. And you are. He's our Father. And I'm not alone when I'm facing difficulties or struggle. It's our Father. I'm, I'm not alone. And it's not just people in this church, but it's people in this brothers and sisters Christ in this community who go to different churches. And it's brothers and sisters in Christ across the state and across the country and across the, 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 the continent and, and, and around the world. I mean, think about it. When we say our Father in heaven, we're praying along with Chan Fling, huh? We're praying along with brothers and sisters in Russia. We're praying along with brothers and sisters in Cuba. We're praying along with all of these people all over there, with Thad Winkle down in, down in Jackson. We're praying along with, uh, with just everybody. And, and, and we just bring, it's our Father. Sometimes it can be really encouraging. Sometimes it can be really rather challenging. Because sometimes I don't like some of you. But when I say our father, I realize we are brothers and sisters. Sometimes we have broke, and if we pray our father, and if we stop and think about it, say, hold on, I'm frustrated with so-and-so right now, but we're still family. We're still part of the same. And so this, this word, even that, just that, that fa- our father calls me to break down barriers. Our father calls me to forgive. Uh, saying our father calls me to, to restore relationships. Sh- saying our father means I don't get to just stay angry at my wife. Saying our father means that I need to work on relationships with everybody because it's our father. And I don't get to come to him alone. I'm coming to him as part of the family. And those of you who have siblings or, or those of us who have kids know that one of the greatest joys of any parent is when the kids are together. A couple of weeks ago, Adam and Jake were in town from New York and L.A. and to see the four kids, the two in-laws, and the adopted Eric and Jamie all just hanging out. It's the best. And, and when God sees us caring for each other, it's the best. Our Father, the Father of us in heaven. All right, the third final thing here. And, and again, in the Greek, literally, it's the heavens. It's a plural, in the heavens. This is not thinking about God's address. It's not saying God who lives at 1440 68th Street, Grand Rapids, Michigan, 49508. No, it's not an address. What it is is it's thinking about God's greatness. Our Father in the heavens. Our Father who is over all, our Father who is almighty. To be in the heavens is to sit and, and to rule over everything. Isaiah talks about this. Uh, Israel had been taken into captivity and, and, and they were scared. What can we do? Babylon is big. Babylon is great. The king is powerful. And this is what Isaiah says. Don't you know? God sits enthroned above the circle of the earth in the heavens and its people are like grasshoppers. The king of Babylon, you know, he looks huge, but in God's eyes, he's a grasshopper. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. Do you understand that God is big enough? Do you understand that God is powerful enough? Verse 26, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who bring, he who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. See, this is what he's saying. Our Father in heaven, the one who loves us, is also great and big. As a father, God wants to take care of us. As the one in heaven, he is able to take care of us. 
can every mother, every dad in here knows what it's like to want more than anything else to help your kids. And you know you can't do it. God is not limited. He is our Father in heavens. He is the one who is close, and he is mighty. Like we say in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty. Those two words, Father Almighty, Father in heavens. It's the same thing. God wants to because he's your Father. God can because he's in heavens. Creates a little bit of a challenge for us. I don't want to get into this too much. But I prayed that this week, and I thought, but then God, why do bad things happen? If you can, if you're in the heavens. And the answer I came to was, I don't know. But I know this, he's all-powerful, and I know he's all-loving. I know he's my father, and I know he can do whatever he needs to do. I don't want to give up on either of those things, and so I'll live with him. I don't know why. But he's my father in heaven. And so this week, I want to just invite you to maybe just let those words be your prayer. Our Father in heaven. And discover back where we started what Telechi said. If we do nothing else but say from the bottom of our hearts, our Father in heaven, the main thing in prayer has already happened. Let's pray together.